left yesterday. The heart of me is strong today. No regrets, I'm blessed to say the old me dead and gone away. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Northwestern Women's Basketball Podcast. Matt McHugh joined by Austin Miller. First time this year that I'm on the show, Matt. How did it that happen? Been, well, you know, a little bit of this, a little, little bit of that. that. I was in Los Angeles, Thanksgiving, you know. But look, yeah. Friday of finals week, there's no better time to record a women's basketball podcast. If you're a uh, longtime listener of the show, the, the program, this was uh, a very long time <laughs> listener. The original <laughs> listeners will recognize my voice from years ago. When so. it was just you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Harry Ross was on this yeah, one a lot. We've had some turnover, but I'm here, I'm ready. You know, we got some games to break down, some positives, some negatives. That's life, you know, Matt? You always got some positives, you got some negatives. We'll talk about it all. Yeah, and the first thing we're going to talk about, I think a little bit of both of those, positives and negatives mixed together. Northwestern, a trip out to Syracuse playing in the Carrier Dome. Side note on the Carrier Dome as a basketball venue. Woo! Yeah, not great. Like, that's the thing. Like, you hear all the time, like, Oh, the Carrier Dome, like Syracuse, like it's a pit. Like, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that like the Carrier Dome is some like cool place. Like, Metal bleachers. Literally, the only thing good about it is, hey, we can fit like thirty thousand people in here when we're good and have a big game. Like, that's the only positive about the Carrier. It probably gets pretty loud when a lot of people are yeah. there. But you know what? A Wednesday night women's basketball game like this was. It's not going to really bring out the crowds, but Northwestern brought a decent amount of firepower themselves. Lindsey Pulliam in that first half was absolutely feeling it. And again, if you know anything about the two people hosting this show, the Lindsey Pulliam fan club yeah, is yeah, sitting yeah. right here in McTrib recording this podcast right now. Eight rebounds, too. She's so good. She finished the game. Uh, she had some foul trouble, so she didn't score as much in the second half. Uh, but she finished the game with 29 points on 13 for 20 shooting. Just absolutely buckets and... A really fun talent to watch. Yeah, and look, this was a very positive sign for Northwestern. Yes, they lost the game 81 to 74. This is a legitimate Syracuse team. Don't make no doubts about it. Syracuse is 9 and 0 this year. They haven't played a ton of great teams. They only beat Wisconsin by three, which, as anybody who knows the two of us knows, that's a red flag to both of us. But look, they're undefeated. They're a top 25 team. They play in the very difficult ACC. And Northwestern really matched them, I thought, Matt, blow for blow in this game. They were outscored by six in the fourth quarter. But beyond that, they hung this entire game. They stuck around. Syracuse plays a really tough style in that full court press, try to get you sped up, which is not how Northwestern likes to play. And I thought Northwestern really handled that well. I thought Palace was good in this game, albeit had a you know a little bit of foul trouble that kept the minutes down. But outside of Abby Scheid struggling to shoot, and look, 5 of 18 from the field is not great, but take into consideration, this game's at the Carrier Dome. A lot of people struggle to shoot at the Carrier Dome. Northwestern was right there, and a better performance from one of their better players, they could have absolutely won this game. And that is kind of the year that maybe Northwestern is going to have. But this is a positive sign, even though it's a 7-point loss. And Northwestern, like you said, matching them blow for blow, they were in this game at the half. They were just up a couple points, and you could feel it. You could see that they had that energy. They came out, they really wanted to win that game. Maybe a little bit of running out of gas at the end. That's another thing we've seen with this program a lot. They, they only played seven players. And look, and, and that's that's going to be an issue all year because you think about it. This team is basically two players down to start every single game. Amber Jamison, who's taken a leave from the team and is not going to play this year, that's a player they expected to provide minutes. Lauren Satterwhite, a freshman who came in, is a player that they expected to provide minutes. So this rotation is thinner than it was and that it was expected to be. And so, like, depth for Northwestern, it's not an issue of, 
we're not Northwestern is not getting performances from players where they should. They just simply don't have the bodies to run out any sort of depth, and that is. You know, it's difficult and it's tough, but it's also understandable. Yeah, and they only have 10 active, healthy players who are available to play in games and only seven or eight that normally do get on the court in a given game. So, yeah, that's something that just just aren't enough people. And and especially against a Syracuse team that, as we said, the style of play for Syracuse can be so difficult to play against that that depth kind of is maybe even more of an issue in that game. And look, Northwestern defended Syracuse relatively well, I thought. Two players over 20 points. Mungakahi is a really talented player, the point guard for Syracuse. 26 points, 12 assists. Drummond scored 29 and grabbed down 11 rebounds. But outside of those two, Northwestern really made it difficult, and they just got beat by a better team, and that's going to happen this year, and I think that's okay if that happens this year. Yeah, and that's something, it's a a learning experience, something you can build from. One other note on this game, the turnovers still there for Northwestern. They've been averaging quite a few of those per game this year, 21 in this one. I think that's something you're going to have with a young team and something you're just going to have to learn how to kind of work around that and try to win in spite of those. And something that is magnified by the style of play for Syracuse. Syracuse forces a lot of teams into turnovers. It's not just Northwestern that's going to put up 20 plus turnovers against the Syracuse team this year. So yes, it's an issue for Northwestern and something that heading into conference play and to close out the non-conference season they'll need to work on. But again, it's it's not like I don't think this game was a negative for Northwestern. Yeah, I think I'll, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I'll agree with that. You don't like you obviously don't like to say the term a uh, quality loss or something I mean, like, like that. Yeah, you never want to lose a game, but it's you're going time, to lose games. You're going to lose games. This was a better way that they could have lost the game in than sure. other ways that this could have gone. So overall, uh, the take next it as game it is. for Northwestern maybe not as much of a quality loss. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that. Milwaukee is a solid basketball team. I think Milwaukee is probably the second best team in the horizon outside of a Green Bay team that Northwestern will see later. Milwaukee can probably play with Green Bay. That being said, uh, the Sunday afternoon loss for Northwestern at home against Milwaukee is not great. 66-57. to Northwestern never really was able to get control of this game. Milwaukee beat them in the fourth quarter by seven points. Difference of the game was nine. Matt, you were there... Takeaways from this one for Northwestern. Yeah, never seen like they quite had it. This was a game that you thought Northwestern should get out in front early and then just kind of keep the foot on the gas pedal and just kind of maintain a comfortable margin. And they never felt in control of this game. It was kind of a sloppy mess at times on both ends of the floor, putting up bad shots. And Northwestern did a good job defensively, forcing up some looks late in the shot clock. But at the same time, their offense never seemed to get into a rhythm. And as a result, they were always kind of just playing a possession or two behind Milwaukee, it felt like. 37.7% for Northwestern from the field, and that's obviously not generally going to get it done. They held Milwaukee to 37.5%, but I look at the free throw disparity in this game. Northwestern only shot 9, Milwaukee shot 26. Steph Kostowitz, a really dangerous player down low, a really talented post player. She went to the line 14 times, made 10 of them, and finished with 20 and 12. That's probably the difference in the game. Oh yeah, and you look at Northwestern when it comes to their big situation. Palos Kunayakpana, very clearly the best big on this team, but when you have someone like Kostowitz, Kunaya Pan is going to get in foul trouble. She did that early in this one, limited to just 22 minutes. And then you start having to put other bodies out there. Oceana Hamilton, a more experienced option, and then Brianna Hopkins. But again, like beyond Oceana Hamilton, there's not another big on this roster. That's, that's and it. So you're starting to kind of throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And against a Milwaukee team that, again, 
look, Milwaukee is not a world-beating team, but that's a very solid basketball team. Solid basketball teams will make you pay for foul trouble like that. And they, what they didn't do at any point was go to Abby Scheid at the five. It always seemed she was staying on the perimeter. They really like her there. Maybe that's something they could try. Some small <coughs> ball, obviously, stopping a big body inside is going to be tough regardless of who's out there. But, you know, maybe they try to space the floor a little bit more that way. And we haven't really seen that very much. Instead... When Hamilton got into foul trouble in the first half, they went with Brianna Hopkins as their five. So maybe that's an option for Northwestern down the line. But for now, that's still an issue is when Palace gets in foul trouble, who steps up in the paint? And also, how does Palace like, stay out of foul trouble when you have such a dominant interior presence? Yeah, and, and that's something that <clears throat> the Big Ten is not a great women's basketball conference this year. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. But there are talented post players in this conference. Megan Gustafson at Iowa, Hallie Thome at uh, Michigan, Mavunga at Ohio State is an incredible yep. player. Is Stephanie Mavunga better than Kelsey Mitchell? Ooh, at some things, but definitely. I, at overall, I would not say okay. so. But Mavunga is really, note, really good. That's three incredibly talented post players right there in the Big Ten. And those post players are going to give a lot of players trouble. And, and that's what you said. That is the next step for Palace. She's rebounding really well. She's scoring at a much better rate this year than she had at other points this year. But it's the foul trouble. She has to stay out of foul trouble, particularly when Northwestern doesn't have a ton of depth behind her. You need her out on the court because she dominates the glass so efficiently. So that's the next step is trying to play that post defense without fouling. Right. Yeah. And, and, tough and it's hard. It's hard for anybody. You know, post players generally get in foul trouble. That's kind of the, what happens at the position. But yeah, that's that step for Akpani is to play with those elite players. And, and Steph Kostowitz maybe isn't an elite player, but she's a very good player. And she's the caliber of the type of bigs that, that Palace and this Northwestern team are going to see in Big Ten play. So overall, takeaways from this game, in the long run, I don't think it hurts that much because, like you said, Milwaukee is a fine team. They're top 100 RPI. They're, they're one of the better teams in the Horizon League. Northwestern almost lost to them last year in a crazy yeah, game. Yeah, Northwestern had an eight-point lead. I was in Milwaukee for that game last year. Northwestern had an eight-point lead with a minute to go. Milwaukee got all the way back. Nia Coffey was clutch, got the Cats a lead. And then Milwaukee had two layups at the end of regulation to force overtime and, and managed to not make either of them. So there you have it. It was a, a close game last year, a somewhat close game this year. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple, like, the scoreline got bloated a bit by the fouls Northwestern gave at the end trying to get back into this game. It was a two point game. Right, into the fourth quarter. Exactly. You know, it was tight. One other thing that I want to point out on this game, Matt Lydia Rohde, 0 of 3 from the field, 0 of 2 from behind the arc. She is this, definitely this team's most dangerous three point shooter. You've got to get her a couple more looks. Even if she's struggling to shoot, even if she ends up, you know, two of seven from behind the arc in this game, those six points could be huge. Yeah, and that's that's another option for Northwestern. Defense is keyed in on that, and Lydia Rody didn't have a lot of great looks because people were very aware and that that's, she is. And that's the, the difficulty option. is Lydia Rody is not the type of player who's going to go out and get her own shots. So you have to come up with schemes to get her into spaces where she can catch and shoot because that's what she's best at. And that's something she's good at. So a couple things for Northwestern to work on from this game, but overall this isn't a season killer kind no, of I game. Mean, a lot to build off like, from and this. I have not been on this podcast this year, so I haven't really gotten the chance to say this publicly. There's not going to be a season-killing loss this year for Northwestern because how this team is constructed, it's so young. You're looking at positive signs. You're looking at pieces. And I think a good goal for this team, Matt, is the 500 mark in Big Ten play, 
500 mark overall, get yourself into the WNIT. If this team plays in the postseason, I think that is impressive for this team and a good first step for this team that's really young and has a lot of good pieces. Absolutely. It's a rebuilding year. That's become clear. We've said that quite a few times on the podcast. And it's become, you got in a rebuilding season, pull out the bright spots here right. and there, like you said. And, and, and they've there been are there. a lot of them. And they, they've been there for this team. It's very clear that this team has pieces and will continue to trouble Big Ten teams. Northwestern is not just going to roll over and get pounded game after game after game in the Big Ten. Will they pick up some losses? Yes. But it's a fairly even conference, even if it's not tremendously good. But Northwestern's not going to be Illinois. They're not going to be Wisconsin, where they're just going to get pounded night after night after night. And that's a positive sign for them. Absolutely. And they have a couple talents that you can say are up there with maybe in those conversations when you're looking at the top 15, 20 players in the conference. Yeah, and the defense that Northwestern has played has Absolutely. been really, really good at a high level. And that's going to keep them in games, even if that shooting maybe does go cold from time to time. So the last week, two losses for Northwestern, but like we said, some positive takeaways there. Now we're going to shift things into the future a little bit more for Northwestern. They got two more games at home coming up this week. Stony Brook on the 10th and then DePaul on the 13th before a quick road trip out to Springfield, Missouri to take on Missouri State on the 16th. This little three-game set, Austin, let's look a little big picture first. What's what's a successful three-game set here for Northwestern? Two and one. Uh, there's some difficult games in here. Stony Brook is a team that can play. They took a solid Syracuse team to overtime. Northwestern, it's a winnable game. I'm not going to come out here and say that Northwestern is going to lose this game, but it's also a losable game. Stony Brook is a quality you know, mid to low major foe that on the right day could come into Evanston and win. Also on the right day, they could come in and, and suffer a 15-point loss to a solid Northwestern team. DePaul is, is a pretty talented team. They handled Northwestern fairly easily last year. Nia Coffey, I believe, did not play did in not. that game. No. So, you know, that certainly changes things a little bit. And Missouri State is... The record is a bit deceiving. They've played quality competition and have hung with quality competition. They also lost a basketball game to a Wichita State team that's really bad. But again, on the road in non-conference play, you never know what can happen. So I think 2-1 and one is solid here for Northwestern. Obviously, you're never going to complain about 3-0. and oh. And again, 1-2 and two with some positive signs, not a terrible result. It's not. Yeah, exactly. I think you have to be okay. Like you said, you're going to pick up some losses as the season goes on. A 1-2 and two in this stretch, and you're still looking at a 500 team overall at this point in the right, season. Right, and that I think is where Northwestern wants to be. I don't I don't have the number of how many games exactly they'll be playing, but 17 and 15 this year for Northwestern is a good year. You make yourself eligible for that WNIT, you're probably going into that WNIT. And that's a good year for Northwestern. So trying to leave non-conference play with the knowledge that there are winnable games all throughout this Big Ten schedule that you can get to that 500 mark. And then looking a little closer at the first game against Stony Brook, like you said, they're a, they're a solid team, a solid mid-major team that you can, yeah, you can give a good team some trouble. They gave Syracuse some trouble Right, 5-3 and three this year. year, only scored 40 points against Cornell. That's less than ideal, but they held the Big Red to 48. They're on a three-game losing streak to Cornell, Syracuse, and Yale. I couldn't tell you a thing about Yale or else I'd tell you that that's not that bad of a loss. So maybe not coming into Evanston with a lot of momentum, but again, on the right day, could absolutely win this game. But I don't think they will. I think Northwestern will respond well, and I think their key against this Stony Brook team is they're going to defend really well. And that's what Northwestern's calling card has been at this point in the year, yeah. is that defense, and if they can keep building off of that. and That's another thing you want to see from a young team like this, is that good defense that they've shown in these first nine games. 
can that continue? Is this a trend that they're going to stick with for the rest of the season? And look, defense travels. You know, shooting, you'll have an off-shooting night. But you can always control how well you play defense. And if Northwestern continues to defend at a high level, they'll continue to keep themselves in games. And when they have good shooting nights, they'll win games. And when they have not so good shooting nights, they'll be in games with a chance to steal them late. And that's kind of where you want to be. So that's just those those low scoring kind of grinded out style. That's gonna be the Northwestern style, I think. Yeah. As the season goes on. And, and that's and that's definitely said as much. and that's definitely a difference from where this team was before. You don't have a player like I mean, there's not another player like Mia Coffee. And so, you know, you have to kinda of adjust things and I think that's what Joe McEwen is doing well with this team this year. Matt, we've yet to mention the biggest story, obviously, with this Stony Brook game. Yes. The Seawolves. What is a Seawolf? And um, if you do a quick uh, a quick Google search on mm-hmm. Seawolves, I, I have done this earlier today as we were talking about this podcast. Go over to images. The first thing you see is a wolf. that It looks like a normal wolf just kind of standing in the water. They Apparently, these are real creatures. They swim around and they live, they eat I seafood. I don't know if they're real. They are real. No, no, no. Uh, the, the National Geographic article, in search of the elusive sea wolves along Canada's rugged coast. Mm. On Canada's western edge, beach bombing wolves swim up between islands, eating whatever the sea serves up. These are wolves of the sea. Uh, Wikipedia, which obviously is the prime source for information, yes. says, quote, The sea wolf was said to be a mythical creature from the Klingit tribe, which brought good luck to those able to see it. Mythical leads me to believe not real. This picture of a wolf in water leads me to believe it is real. All right, folks, you have to decide whose sources are better here, Matt's National Geographic or my Wikipedia. He's in the water. I the wolf is swimming. I all know the answer. If he, okay, so back up here. If a wolf swims in water and eats seafood, is it safe to call it a sea wolf? I think it's just a wolf that likes the water. No, but it's like if it eats seafood, it swims between islands to survive. Like, look, if you named That's... your team after I'm amending my source, my source is now no longer Wikipedia, but is now stonybrook.edu/traditions. Okay. Uh, if you named your your team after a real thing, you would say so. You wouldn't say that it's a mythical creature. That's that's that's, that's, that's fair. That's my point here. That's fair. I think you just have a wolf that likes to be in water. There was also a movie made in the '80s about that was called the Sea Wolves. I'm not sure if the team name is a reference to that. Well, the team name is probably old. I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, sure if the, the team, no, the team is name is 1990. Or no, hang on. 1994. So the team name is not older oh, than that. Well, this is oh. this is a questionable. In 1994, in an effort to create an exciting new team identity in line with our move to the Division I level, then Stony Brook president John H. Marburger III proclaimed a new team nickname, the Seawolves. Mm. They were the Patriots beforehand. Interesting. that they would. Before that, the university's teams were known as the Soundmen or Baymen. That's a bad name. That's yeah. a really bad name. Not good. Baymen to Patriots was a big upgrade. Patriots to Seawolves, upgrade or no? No. Probably vote. Well... Uh, it's, yes. it's unique. It's unique. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give them the benefit of it out there. And um, since I'm on team, sea wolves are real, I'm going to sure. back that up. Look, All right. it's, a, it's a wolf. In the it's water. In the it's water. just a wolf that likes water. It's not a sea wolf. The, what, it, it's fine to call it. It's like, what's a... Like, All right, we're, DePaul? Agree to disagree. DePaul. Moving on to DePaul. Right. Blue Demons. Definitely not real. Yes. We can cl- cross that one off the okay. list. Good. It's a good team. Uh, biggest thing with DePaul for me going in is Jessica January not on this team this year. That is huge. Where'd she go? Western. She moved on. WNBA. Oh, okay. She she cool. actually got hurt at the end of last year and didn't okay. play in conference play. That's right. But she absolutely torched Northwestern yep. last year. 
She's a triple double threat every night out, and they had no way of stopping her. Couple things stick out to me right from the start. One, this is a sandwich game for DePaul because tonight at Wintrust Arena, you know who's coming to town? Huskies. UConn, number one team in the country. Yeah. You know where DePaul goes next weekend? Notre Dame. Notre Dame, also very good. Uh-oh. So this is the game right in the middle of that for DePaul. And this is kind of make or break for, not make or break for their season, but if they want to be a legitimate, you know, NCAA tournament Sweet 16 contender, it kind of comes right here. Second thing that sticks out to me in this matchup, this is a great test for Northwestern because DePaul scores the basketball really well. 92 points per game. They cracked 100 in a win against Oklahoma earlier this year. This is a great test for that Northwestern defense. Can you contain a team that has six, Matt, six double-digit scores? Yeesh. That is that is tough for Northwestern. Yes. It's a different DePaul team than we've saw, seen before because, like I said, last year it was mostly just January kind of does everything. And then there's some, you know, kind of solid depth players around her who can contribute and make this what was mostly a borderline top 25 team for much of last season. This year, it hasn't really been the same story for them. They've suffered a couple tough losses uh, against Florida Gulf Coast. Gold Coast is a decent little team. It's a, it's a decent team. Northern but then Colorado. Northern Colorado, I'm not going to make those same kind of takes about. Uh, so there's it's it's been okay. It's sure. been fine, but it's... And not a great 6-2 and two at this point. Yeah, the win against Oklahoma is a good win. That was their first game at Windrush Arena. A win against Gonzaga, traditionally a very solid program. They hammered Loyola, which every team that's played Loyola except one has done. Um, yeah. We'll let you figure out who the one team is. Team not, will not Coops. be named. Coops! Coops! <laughs> uh, Diverse scoring <laughs> options here for DePaul. You know, six players in double-digit scoring. Ashton Millinder, 15.4 points per game. Grace, 14.1. They could beat you in a lot of different ways. Uh, 36.5% from behind the arc. I look forward to this one for Northwestern. I think this is going to be a good test. It's, I think it will. And they get them at home this year, too. Sure. They had to go to McGrath-Phillips Arena last year. Yeah, so. that's a bad break for Northwestern. If you could have gone to DePaul this year, you could play at that shiny new arena they got because they're playing some of their games there. They play, yeah, they play some games. Yeah, the UConn uh, game is how, definitely there. Well, I, yeah. How but, do you think they decide what's going to win trust and what's at McGrath-Phillips? Probably based on other events, too, but I'm assuming, yeah. like, UConn, obviously win trust. Well, yeah, yeah, IUPUI, yeah. obviously McGrath-Phillips. Yeah. Uh, looks like a couple... Obvious. Oh, no, not all their conference games. Only a couple yeah. conference games are at win trust. Probably conflict with the men's schedule. I'm sure. guessing they have priority there. McGrath Phillips is a fine little arena. Actually. Oh yeah, it's a good. I actually like it quite a, a bit. It's a solid so, women's basketball. Uh, as far as Northwestern volleyball arenas go, not right. great. Well, yeah. Uh, all right. As to the actual game, now that we've given you our Wintrust Arena, McGrath Phillips Arena power rankings, I think we both have Wintrust number one. I think so. Well, where is it? It's not anywhere near the school. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not as far as Allstate was. It's in the That's loop. true. But, like, it's that shouldn't be your bar. It's also really, really nice. That's that's also like, true. Allstate. But there's, something, there's something to be said for having your, you know, right on campus. Yeah, like, but uh, still Wintrust one. McGrath Phillips. Wintrust one. Uh, what do you expect for Northwestern in this game? So, Northwestern, it's going to have to be the defense again, right? But that's yep. going to be a much tougher ask when you have so many different ways that DePaul can attack you. Um, and you're going to have to have some people step up on defense who have kind of taken a more of a back seat because... That third or fourth option for DePaul, that could be an option that could really hurt yeah. Northwestern. That means they're going to have to have three or four defenders that are up to the task at all times on the floor. They haven't really had to have that this year, and it's going to be a step up for some players like Pulliam, like Lydia Rohde, who have taken a backseat on defense to be more involved on offense. going to have to be more involved on both ends of the floor. And you're going to need to score. Like The defense is key for Northwestern, but they're probably also going to have to match DePaul at points in this game because DePaul has shown that they can score 
and score at a pretty high rate. So Northwestern is going to have to score to to match DePaul on those blow for blows. I think Northwestern hangs in this game, and I think they play this game really well. And I think it's another one of these positive signs. You like the pieces, but on the other side, you just have an experienced team that has talent. One other note on DePaul is that they lead the country in three pointers made per game, thirteen point six. Let it fly for the DePaul Blue Demons. They do in a related fact, note, DePaul's coach is actually Matt. No, I would, if I was coach of the team, this no. is what we'd be doing. Uh, they jack them up 13.6 threes uh, made per game. Uh, attempted, they're only fifth in the country. So that's, for what that's worth, still quite a few threes, and they're pretty good at making them. They also don't turn the ball over very much, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. You can't turn the ball over if you're putting up threes. So yep, that's, that's also a very Matt thing to say. Yep, if you just shoot, you don't turn it over. It's got a chance to go 92 in. points don't score themselves. That's Someone's got to put them up. That's fair. Uh, are you in agreement with me on how this game... I think... I don't want to... I'm not going to say Northwestern has no chance in this one. I think if you look at Northwestern's schedule, the only games that you say are going to be really difficult for this team to win are probably against Maryland and Ohio State, and that's it. Other than that, Northwestern's got a shot in every game they play, and I think that DePaul, this DePaul game is, is similar to that. I think, yeah, I think they can hang, and like we said earlier, it's going to be about if they can slow the pace down for DePaul, because they're going to want to run, they're going to want to put those threes up quickly. Syracuse wanted to do that, too, and... They held Syracuse to what twenty two percent from behind the arc. If you do a similar thing against DePaul, it's a kind of similar style offense of just run, put up threes, try to take care of the ball. If Northwestern can get them out of their element, maybe get them a little uncomfortable, make this a more low scoring game, just grind it out and stay within five or ten points, a couple breaks, maybe they come out with a dub. Sure. All right, final game in this little stretch that we're gonna preview here is a road trip to Springfield to play Missouri State. Matt, before we get into the game itself, I want to let you know that the top thing to do in Springfield on TripAdvisor is the Nathaniel Green slash Close Memorial Park. Ooh. Five stars, 299 reviews. Number wow. one of 88 things to do in Springfield. That's pretty impressive. Jennifer V says, quote, fun park with lots to do. What, what, is, there, what is there to do in the park? Well, I'm just... <laughs> I, like, if I think of a park normally, I think you have to bring the entertainment yourself. Like, Great trails to walk with the family, a beautiful Japanese garden, and smaller gardens. Well, it says small herb gardens. I think Jessica, who Jennifer rather, who filled this out via mobile, instead of hitting space, accidentally hit B there. Oh, no. Uh, scattered throughout, worth paying a visit. Also, I can't read the username, but uh, best park in Springfield, four out of five stars. It's good as well. So all right, make a side trip if you're if you're heading out to yeah, if you're Springfield. Making the trip, if you're making the trip. Uh, this Missouri State team, from a basketball perspective, Matt, what do you make of them? Uh, yeah, they're not great. They're okay. They're not. They're not like Chicago State. Or they can I mean, they can actually win some games <laughs> here and there. That's just mean. Um, it's uncalled for. Northwestern played them last year here in Evanston. Right. Handled them pretty well in that game. I think that was the first game, correct me if I'm wrong, was that the first game without Nia Coffey when she missed a couple? I think so. And they still right. handled them by like 15 or 20 points in that game. I don't have that box score pulled up in front of me, but I do remember that trip to Welsh Ryan Arena yeah. that uh, Missouri State made. And You know, Northwestern, they did fine against them. I'm expecting kind of a similar result here, but, you know, being on the road, it's it's kind of tough to do. This is something Joe McEwen will tell you every time. It's not easy to win on the road. No, it's not. And, and this Missouri State team has been really weird, to be honest with you. Um, 
lost to Ball State, beat Central Missouri, lost to Missouri, who's a ranked team by 10, got pounded by Baylor, lost to Penn. And then this is just weird. Who plays a home-and-home home with Wichita State in the non-conference? Missouri State did. Lost by that's, 14. Well, it's probably because they were, Wichita State used to be MBC. Yeah. And then so, they, like, maybe Wichita State maybe was scrambling to Maybe it's a rivalry games. or something. I don't know. Anyway, Wichita State won by 14 in Wichita, and then Missouri State won by 17 in Wichita State is not very good. No, so make of that what you will. One double-digit score on this Missouri State team. Piece of trivia for you, Matt. Yep. Uh, Liza Fruit, Missouri State's leading scorer. What's her connection to Northwestern? Ooh. she an alum? It's not. No, she's... Matt, all right, all right, hang on, hang on. Let's wait, let's, let's run this back. Let's run this back. I said dead leading. The score. leading score. What is her connection to Northwestern? You sleep. There's a way that could happen. Matt, there's a, she's in a long. There's a way that could happen. You graduate from Northwestern. You want to play some basketball. No. Grad trans. Walk on. There's a way that could happen. Don't rule it out. The correct answer is her brother Nick played at Northwestern from 2008 to 2012. Nick, fascinating. Fruit. Yeah, I would know that because of my history with Northwestern athletics. Did not expect you to know that. I did not know Northwestern basketball pre twenty fourteen. Yep, well, that's where Nick Fruit falls. So uh, anyway, I beat. I think this is a winnable game for Northwestern. I'm no. not convinced by Missouri State. Yeah, Northwestern had four double digit scorers against Missouri State last year. Nice. Uh, one of which is still with the team. Lydia Rohde, four for eight, a couple threes made in that game. Maybe she gets going. That's in what you want to see again from yeah. Lydia. You know, yeah. get open. Look, it's going to be hard for this team to win on the road in this game, but I think they can do it. Wichita State confirmed not very good. Yeah, so I think, again, we saw the last road game for Northwestern, uh, the trip to uh, the last road game against a kind of mid-major team, the UT Martin. Uh, what was that, a month ago now? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, a bit tighter it than it needed to be yeah, against but UT Martin. Yeah, they got Martin. the win. They got out with the win. Um, I'm thinking that's kind of the worst-case scenario here is Northwestern mm-hmm. stumbles around a little more than they should. Doesn't take care of the ball, ends up in a close game when it really shouldn't be that close. But still wins. And still comes out with a win. So feeling pretty good about their chances in Springfield. Uh, Hopefully they get to go to the park too. One final note before can we go around the Big Ten for a little bit? Oh, we have to go around okay, the Big Ten. All right. yeah. uh, before we go around the Big Ten, and this is kind of a great little segue. Wichita State, we've confirmed not a very good basketball no, team, correct? No, no, no. Uh, you know who only beat Wichita State by one? Uh oh. Uh Big Ten team. I'm gonna I, guess. Nebraska. No. Illinois. Yes. Ah. Ding, ding, ding. Oh. <laughs> Funny one, baby. Next guess was going to be Wisconsin. Yep. yep. <laughs> I do, yeah, I do. Those were the options. Um, okay, so if we're going to talk Big Ten women's basketball, we have to talk about what's been, I think, one of the best stories of Big Ten women's basketball to this point. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They're back. They're back. They are playing some good basketball. Legit. See, Vivian's got her girls second coached wind. up. She's got a second wind. Uh, they play against Seton Hall today. Seton Hall coming into today's game was pretty good. They were expected to be in this game. They were 6-1, and one, the top 100 RPI team, and then Rutgers says, nope, knocks them right off. I mean, Rutgers' two losses this year are by 10 to South Carolina. Nothing wrong with that loss whatsoever. A very impressive loss. And by 3 yeah. to Washington State. They beat North Carolina State. They beat Virginia. Those are two teams who were sniffing around the NCAA tournament last year. They beat Wake Forest. Rutgers has the inside track to an ACC championship, apparently, now that they're 3-0 and against ACC teams. They're back. Taylor's, Tyler Scaife is a really good player. She was a big loss for them last year. But it's... She can drop what? Like, she can drop 20 a game. Yeah. yeah. She is dropping 20 a game. Uh, it's good to see Rutgers back. Yeah. No, she's... Like, see, Vivian Stringer is a great coach. And last year, I'm glad that that was more of an anomaly than the beginning of a sloppy ending. Yes. And I think that they are a team to watch as Big Ten yeah. play will start at the end of the month. Watch out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other takeaways from me, Iowa and Minnesota, two teams that we thought 
would be maybe on the outside looking in at the NCAA tournament have done what they've needed to do in the non-conference. Both have only lost one game. Minnesota lost to North Carolina by five. That's less than ideal. They don't have any great wins on their resume, which, again, less than ideal. Iowa, on the other hand, at 9-1, Megan Gustafson, a really good player, lost by one to Florida State. That's a game that they really probably wish they could have had. Because you look at it and they haven't really beaten anybody else. Yeah, and that's that's what's tough is they can come they out with no, quality wins in non-con. And what's that non-conference schedule, man? That's a bad non-conference schedule that they play. Big Ten in general hasn't really played any great non-conference schedules. Non-conference I think Ohio State is the only team you can safely say. And Maryland are the yeah. two teams that play legitimately really high-quality non-conference schedules. But, I mean, Michigan, outside of the Notre Dame game and Louisville, come on. Yeah. What, else, what else is this? You would think of all teams that Michigan would leave no shadow of a doubt after what happened to them last year. Yeah. Dating at the end of the year and getting left out of the NCAA tournament. Congrats on that. They w- lost the Notre Dame game. game. They lost the Louisville game. Those were probably games that they expected to lose, although maybe they could have, they had a chance in one of them. I don't know. Their, their next best win in non-con is probably Marquette. Marquette. Marquette's been around the top 25, but is also like at 500 now. Oakland, that's it. Oakland's not bad. They're going to leave themselves needing to do stuff in conference play again. We've seen this movie before, Kim Barnes-Rico. Don't do it to yourself. And their upcoming schedule in non-con does not get much more impressive. They got Kent State, North Florida, Fort Wayne, Delaware State to round out the non-con. So, come on. Not great. Uh, Some other teams to talk about. Ohio State. Are they going to run away with this conference? I'm I think I'm thinking they are. I yep. mean, well, we'll see. Maryland when they get Chris Anaki back. Yep, that's that, that's happening soon, I yes, believe, right? Yes, I believe it was end of the semester, so it should be any day now that okay. she'll become eligible for That's going to be a fun team to watch. Get your get your eyes on that one because that's going to be a different team when yeah, she Maryland, was the leading scorer on a top 25 team. Yeah, and was a very it is just a really good player. Maryland so far this year losses to South Carolina and Yukon, nothing no it's shame fine. in that. They beat Miami on the road. That's a solid program. And they won on the road at Virginia. They also went and played at Akron. Sure. Uh, nothing else really in their non-conference slate. But Maryland is in good shape. They're not as dominant as they've been in years past. But again, you kind of have to reserve judgment until Chris Anaki gets eligible. And that's exactly what they should have done, right? Right. With Chris Anaki out, I think that's a successful non-con slate for them. And we'll see what they do once. Maybe they have a couple non-con games to get her in the fold. Kind of right. some tune-up, warm-up games with her. And then they also get Illinois to start off conference yeah, I mean, play. So that also counts as a game. tune-up game. Uh, so Maryland, by the time they start playing the real Big Ten teams, yeah. uh, should be hopefully a little bit more adjusted. And I'm excited for the Maryland-Ohio State game this year again. Yeah, absolutely. Ohio State, uh, two losses to Louisville and Duke. They also beat Stanford twice already, which is a good win. Done everything else they needed to do in the non-con. Go to Cincinnati still. Uh, They're what we expected them to be. Stephanie Mavunga is an absolute monster. Her health last year, I think, was a big detriment to Ohio State that she wasn't able to stay healthy. Man, if she could stay healthy, good lord. She, uh, yeah, she played, but I think she played hurt for a little bit at some times last year and never quite looked like her full self. And, man, she she looks at, like, very clearly at 100% right now. So watch out for her, and that's that's going to be a dangerous team to watch. Yeah. Rest of the conference, it's not great. Uh, we said coming into this year that as far as the NCAA tournament was concerned, Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan, Indiana we had in there. We'll revisit that in a second. And then maybe a fifth team. You're looking at five-ish teams. 
Iowa and Minnesota, I think, have maybe given you hope that they could be up there, although Minnesota and Iowa are less convinced on the RPI models until we see them get into conference play. Rutgers, pleasant surprise. They could absolutely be in the NCAA tournament conversation. Indiana, though. What are you doing? What's going on, Hoosiers? Yeah, the Hoosiers, 5-4 and four right now. I'm, that's 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 kind of concerning. We were looking at them as a team that was going to be right yes. up there with Iowa. Very kind of in that second tier of the Big Ten. And, and that has just not been the case. Is this is this a fixable issue for them? Tyra Buss is senior season. You want to send her out strong? I mean, like, is it fixable? Yes, like they can play better. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm confident in their ability to play better. But I think they've dug themselves an RPI hole that might be tough to get out of. They lost to Chattanooga by three. They lost to Auburn by 12. Lost to Louisville. Lost on the road at St. Mary's. Good little game there. I like that game. Go to St. Mary's over Thanksgiving break. They didn't win it, though. That's not a bad, only, that's not a bad schedule. Only that's... beat Western Kentucky by two. They still have Missouri and Virginia to play. So Indiana is one of those teams that still has a bit of time in the non-conference to pick up a couple things that they can stick in their back pocket. But they have nothing right now on their resume besides good losses. Yeah. And that's not going to get it done in this Big Ten because there's going to be RPI landmines you gotta beat Ohio. You're gonna have to beat Ohio State or Maryland probably if you're Indiana. Speaking of another team that just has a bunch of good losses stacked up, Purdue, five and four. They've lost some games that are all pretty reasonable losses. Even Ball State is a top fifty yeah, yeah. RPI team. Georgia Tech, Utah, USC, Purdue, fine so programs. Purdue did this exact same thing last year. They were dreadful in the non-conference. They lost by twenty two to Maine to start their year Yeah, last that was year. terrible. And then they went on a run to close the year, and they got into the NCAA. And they don't have a loss that bad. No, they yeah. do not have a loss yeah. that bad. The issue with Purdue is I just don't think they're as talented as they have been in years past. Uh, Sharon Versip's a really good coach. You have decent players there, but there's no Ashley Morissette. I think Purdue is going to struggle. I think, like, 19 wins in the WNIT might be where I see this Purdue team this yeah, year. Yeah, so they're going to be with a couple of those fringe. like like you I could absolutely see Purdue, you know, go to Michigan and win, but also lose at home to, you know, Penn State. Something yeah. like that. Like they'll have inconsistent results this year. And speaking of Penn State, Eaton too at this point in the year, Tonight Page is now back and healthy and that's big. That's huge. For them. She's one of the best players in this conference. Is she enough to lead this team into that kind of bubble conversation where maybe we're talking about like Iowa and Minnesota right now? I think the issue is you you're gonna look at this team in the end of February and you're gonna say, Who have they actually beaten? Yeah. They've done nothing in their non conference. Wake Forest, like I couldn't tell you what Wake Forest is in the ACC, but I'm going to guess it's not great. Lost to Louisiana Tech, lost to a good Kansas State team. They won at Providence. Wake Forest 5-5. Five five. Okay, Providence. Google me some Providence. Providence. See where they're at. Let's see where Providence is here. And then they play at... Providence is 6-4. and four. Yeah, so like, that's nothing. So they're basically giving themselves nothing in the non-con, and they're going to end up, you know, going... 11 and 5 in the Big Ten, and then you're going to look at that 11 and 5, and there's two wins against Illinois, two wins against Wisconsin. Yeah. There's not going to be a lot on that resume. So their margin for error, I think, is going to be small. That's not to say they can't do it, but that is to say that it's going to be more difficult than it should be in a power conference. I could see tonight Pace dropping like oh, 35 in a game against a good team. Maybe they get someone off their, on, on their heels a little bit. Maybe like Michigan comes in and doesn't really quite have it that night, and tonight Pace just goes absolutely off. They come away with a win. There's a scenario where that happens, and I think there kind of could be in that conversation. A lot of things are going to have to break right for them to be in that conversation, but there's a chance. You want a fun fact? Yes, give it to me. Illinois is 7-4. and four. Sure. Well, you want, you let's, want some, let's look at the 7-4. Yeah, yeah, give, give me the 7 right, and give me the 4. 14-point right. win against Fort Wayne. Fine, you open the season, whatever. 24-point loss at Florida Gulf Coast. Okay. 
Solid team, like, not great. Ten point win against Chicago State. Oh, less than ideal. That's, that's, that's almost like a loss. Yeah, 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 that's that's like a uh, twelve <laughs> point win against Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ten point loss at home against Western Illinois. Oh no, not great. Uh, six point win against UC Irvine. The aforementioned one point win against Wichita State. Yeesh. A twenty nine point loss at New Mexico. Oh, New Mexico might be good. Yeah, New a, Mexico's good. They're 10-0. Yeah, but 29 points. Mexico's 10-0. Not good. A, good lord, i got to break out the calculator on this one. A 45-point loss Uh-oh. at home to Virginia Tech. Oh, no. Not ideal. Virginia Tech's good, but they're not that good. They're yeah, eating too. That's, that's, that's <laughs> they're a lot fine. Um, oh, no. <laughs> a 16-point win at Memphis. Memphis is really Memphis bad. Memphis is terrible. And then a convincing 31-point yeah. win against Indiana State. So, like... Like, the margin of victories terrible. is where the questions is here for Illinois. Like, the results themselves aren't terrible, but they're getting blasted by good teams. Yeah, that, that's they're a not concern. Good. They're they're still a rebuilding program. Yes. Uh, I think Alex Winder's still there, right? Yes. Petra Holoshinska, Brandy Beasley. They're the same. Team. Some players. They're not. Mm, they're, they're, I mean, like, like, the issue with Illinois is, like, how much of those stats are just, like, somebody has to do something yeah, for this team. Yeah, like, you see that on bad teams a lot. Right. It's just, like, someone puts up a lot of points like because... 14 and 8. The shots have to go up. Right, yeah. Somebody's got to shoot, and yeah. even Chicago State can shoot 16% from the field. Yeah. You know. Sometimes. Uh, any other takeaway from the Big Ten that you want to get out there and get on air? Um, It's been okay. It hasn't been great. I think it's been maybe better than some people expected. Yeah, I think the, biggest, the most encouraging things to me are Iowa... And Minnesota, both looking like taking care of business. Yeah. They're putting themselves in a position to play well in the Big Ten and get into the NCAA tournament as a you know seven to ten. So seven. how many speculate right now for me? How many tournament teams from Ohio conference? State is a lock. Obviously, Maryland is a lock. Yep. So you've got two right there. Beyond that, Michigan I think gets in, but Michigan is going to make it closer than they should. Yep. They didn't schedule as well as they should have. Iowa. So that's three for me right there that are in. Iowa, Minnesota, Rutger, Michigan State. No, 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 Michigan State's not anywhere near. And then, you know, so Iowa, Minnesota, Rutger, I think, can get in. They're in position to have good Big Ten play and get in. Then beyond that, Penn State is going to need to pick off some wins, but they're right in there as well. Indiana have dug themselves a hole. Indiana should be in better position than they are right now, and they're going to need to make up ground in the Big Ten. And then you're never going to count out Sharon versus in Purdue. Yeah. You know, could go 11-5 and five in the conference and make a run in the Big Ten tournament again. Beyond that, you're going to need to see a lot, I think, from the teams that I've not yet mentioned to, to get into the NCAA tournament. They need to do really, really well in Big Ten play. So, uh, also willing to eliminate Illinois right now. Yes. Illinois can just go home. Yeah. And, you know, maybe Wisconsin and Nebraska can yep. take their bags Probably with them. Although Nebraska has not been as bad as feared. Like, they beat Kansas... That's a power conference team. They beat Arkansas. That's a power conference team. They lost to Buffalo, which is yeah. not great. No. Like, Nebraska is not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but Nebraska can also go 4-12 and 12 in the Big Ten. Yes. Which is... Which is... We pack your bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, fine, fine. We're packing the bags right now. Okay. Make, make those travel plans in March. You can... Nope. Yeah. It's Nebraska a, at Illinois, January 11th, road trip. Oh, yeah. Kind That's going to bring out the crowds. Yeah. That's a Wednesday night game. Prime, prime time. Prime time. They're on ESPN three tomorrow. They play Drake. Yeah, they're going on the road to play the Bulldogs. And then they head to San Jose State. Well, I could go to that game. 
Yes. I could. Say yes. I could. Say yes. We'll, we'll see. Update update on if I end up showing up Great. to the Nebraska at San Jose State game on December 17th. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping. We will next record a pod at a date to be determined. I think we'll probably shoot for some time after the Missouri State game. A winter break. Yeah, pod, being yes. on break. But there will be something there trying to maybe preview the end of the non-conference or maybe just recapping the non-conference and then getting into Big Ten play. It's a favorable start to Big Ten play for Northwestern. Minnesota at home? All right. Could be difficult. But then at Illinois, at Michigan State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Purdue, Wisconsin again. Those are all winnable games. Yeah. Wisconsin twice. Yeah, they could do it. Wisconsin twice in a three-game stretch, man. That's huge. That's what you look for. That's huge. Johnny Sippis. That's a good chance Yeah. for Northwestern. Uh, anything else before we wrap this up? Um, no. I'm feeling okay about Northwestern yeah. right now. And this it's, team it's has... It's not the best that it could be. It's just in the best-case scenario, but it's also definitely not yeah. the worst. <laughs> no, there are positive signs with this team. This is a young team, and experience is the key to this year. The pieces... The good pieces on this team, Abby Scheid is a sophomore. Lindsey Pulliam is a first year. Palace Kanayakpana still has another year of eligibility to improve. So there's time for this team to develop. There's not this kind of overhang of our whole team as seniors like it was last year. This is the last rodeo. That's not the case with this team, and I think that's good. Yeah. So a lot of good things to come, hopefully, for Northwestern in the near More future. More great podcasts to come. And absolutely, the great podcasts Look, never stop. This is the only Northwestern women's basketball podcast that regularly features people who have Big Ten media votes. That's true. That's true. Pretty good stuff. You don't get that anywhere else. There's nope. no other Northwestern women's basketball yeah. podcast. So. Did one of the regular guests on this podcast at one point maybe give Jonathan Sippis a third place vote for Coach of the Year? Oh. Was it... The worst thing I've done with my Big Ten ballot? Mm. Player, of the year, player of the year vote we'll, we'll leave out of the to conversation. To be determined. To be determined. For Austin Miller, a uh, maybe alleged voter of Big Ten. Can neither confirm nor deny. Maybe. That's a possibility. I'm Matt McHugh, signing off for this episode of the Women's Basketball Podcast on WNU.